What up, my podcast listeners? You're listening to the Pump Fake Podcast with your boy, Benny P. We've got a great podcast for you here. I was joined by the likes of Alex Cook. And man, we've got segments on segments on segments. It is a lit pod with all the things that you guys are dying to hear. It is anything but Cookie Cutter Cook as he joins me as we dice up and cut up all the content needs for you folks. You guys are going to have a feast, and I'm not kidding, because we broke, We talked about a lot of different things. We talked about the Cats. Cook is a UK diehard fan. We wanted to talk about a little bit about the matchup with Michigan State. He brought in his own Big Data segment. Shout out to Eric J for his first Big Data segment and his second Big Data segment because it has birthed now a third Big Data segment. I think you guys are going to love that. I think it's actually going to be revolutionary for our league as he gives me some stats on the quarterback position and the correlation to victories in fantasy football as a fight club ground breaker. So, you're going to want to stick around for that. We also talked trade deadline, and we diagnosed the reality of the trade itch and what that may or may not look like on both your physical skin, not really, but also mentally. It's a real thing. It is diagnosable. Trade itch is a feeling that we all get, and sometimes we get on the right end of it. Sometimes we get on the back end of it. We review our trade a little bit, and and we discuss that. So that was a great little segment there. Again, segment, segment, segment. All of your content needs are going to be met here. We move on to a different spot where we describe some teams that Cook is fearful of, but they're not the teams that you think they are. So you're going to want to stick around to hear who he is most scared of and why. We also had a break trade, a breaking trade come through here. So we discussed the trade that happened between Luke and Kevin. Big stuff popping there. Really excited about that. I also created a segment to kind of hash up and mention all of the three to six record teams to the five and four record teams. And it was a segment where I gave the setting for North American power or North American struggle for fame, power, and money and the career choice that's going to put these people in that and put their, put these people on that career path. And it was cook's job to designate with the record, with the storyline from each team, what career path each individual is on or taking very, very interesting stuff. there. super fun for us to just kind of freelance talk, chat about that and have some fun. See what, uh, what job description cook has given you really, really fun stuff. And we also took time to just thrash Evan as every podcast. There's more than, I mean, it, it just is needed to thrash his managerial efforts this season, thrash Evan shackled a little bit. We did discuss the matchup a little bit. We visited the draft board a couple of different times, which I think is always a good thing to do. So we visited the draft board. Really good stuff there, too. And then at the very, very end, I mean, we just uh, we got a breaking breaking news between me and Cook in our trade discussion. We talked about it with you guys on the back end of the podcast. So he has breaking news in our trade agreement that may or may not have gone through by the time you listen to this trade. So... Good stuff, a little bit of trade banter back and forth that you guys get to listen to, but top quality stuff, and that is all that we have here. So a lot of different segments. It's a long podcast, but I hope you guys enjoy it. Listen to it while you're riding in the car, while you're sitting at work. Hopefully it makes you chuckle, but you guys are great. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I love each and every one of you. See you. Do not talk about fight club. Not fight club, 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 not fight club
So here we are with Alex Cook on the pod. Alex, let me uh, first and foremost, before I do any testing, welcome to the podcast. Um, yeah, we're just really happy to have you on. Thankful for your time. Thanks for being a part of this. First of all, just thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. Yeah. It means a lot. Great. It's about time. You know, I love that I reached out to you and I texted you and you, you simply responded with, I think today would be the day that I would be able to make the pod happen. And that's when I knew, you know, light bulb goes off and you're just like, okay, wow. Well, we probably need to ha- make this happen then. So I, I I've appreciate actually had that. On my calendar for, I've actually had this date on my calendar for about two months now. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was kind of sprung on you today. Yeah, okay. I was going to call you out in the group meeting and say, invite me on the pod, coward. But yeah, no, you're, no. we're already mid-text about trade conversations, so. Oh, trade conversations for the people listening on this pod. Yeah, me and Cook yeah, have been in trades. Those, uh, those, those trades have not uh, come to fruition yet, but we might discuss this after the pod. That is not for your concern. You simply listen to this podcast for your enjoyment and keep out of our nosy business. But – no, uh, no warm up necessary. We're we're right here in the thick of things. Uh, you're you're doing great. We got a lot of energy coming out of the pod. I did tell Cook uh, I don't have any bourbon, so for listeners at home, this would be a very coherent <laughs> podcast. You can expect me not to slur my speech by hour two as we get into this. Not <laughs> hopefully we don't go two hours, but we do have a jam packed session. I, yeah. I think my connection's slowing up. Oh, uh oh. All right. Uh, we had a, a blip, but that's okay. That's all right. Oh, yeah. Another we thing to, to note is make sure that your phone's plugged in. Sometimes FaceTime can really. Oh, your phone's. All right. He's on an iPad. We're good. Um, so let me get in here. We're, we're, you know, warmed up. We're ready to go. I want to try to get some more creative juices flowing. So okay. if you have any okay. more connection issues, feel free to let me know, but we're going to just get into it. Uh, I wanted to get Alex Cook's thoughts. Anything but cookie cutter cook with us today. I want to get your thoughts on the Big Blue University of Wild University of Kentucky Wildcats last night against Michigan State. Dude, I absolutely loved it. So like I was I was talking to the NBA group me how last year I had a block exam, drove with a Duke fan to the Duke game. Wow. Sat with her to watch Duke lose or watch Duke beat us by thirty four. Yeah. I had to drive back home at three. Got back at three or four in the morning. Had to go to class the next day. Absolutely awful. Worst basketball experience of my life. Wow. Okay. And, I, and uh, this year, I mean, our defense looked. I mean, our defense is really good, but we also gave up a ton of open threes that they just couldn't hit down. Right. I, there's corner three after corner three that they just bricked. So that's we had to work on our communication, but we have an extremely high upside defense. Yeah. I like our point of attack. We wore out Cassius Winston. Uh. Our offense is is so simplistic, though. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like Cal's offenses are reliant upon someone be able to take someone be able to take guys off the dribble. Because yeah. right now it's just bring up the court, pass it to a wing, pass it down low. We don't get a shot. Let's work it back around yeah. and just swing it. Very very simple. Very predictable. Absolutely. I, th- I do think there's a, a lack of creativity with the offense. I have seen and there's a play that they run. I don't know what they call it, but they dribble down the court and the big men will flash up to the free throw line or to maybe the extended uh, like where they where they straddle the three point line. And what happens is they do a touch pat, like they lob it up to them at the, like as they kind of are facing away from the basket and then they touch yeah. pass it back and use that passer as the screen, or they go opposite to the opposing big man that's flashed up to use a yes. screen. And, it, and it's just, it's very simple. It does get a pass in there. It kind of gets it out of your hands for a second. And then you get it back in your hands. You get to reevaluate where the defense is. And then you have an automatic screen there as well. Yeah. So it is, 
essentially the introduction out of our transition into a play. But Cal's offense, like you said, has always been very dependent on that and also dependent on the speed out of defense. Can you transition quickly? Because if you can't, then you're going to have to set up again and then we run the play that I just discussed and before you know it, we're at the end of a shot clock and we're heaving something, you know? Yeah, Michigan State had great transition defense and we we had hardly any fast break points, Mm -hmm. but I don't think we're going to face that bunch of other teams. I think we'll be able to run some teams, but another play that, that drives me crazy, we ran a couple times last night. We did a lot last year with Tyler Hero where it's like, Tyler Hero will be in one corner. Ashton Higgins will bring it up. And then we'll set a ton of backdoor screens. And Ashton Higgins is pounding the ball just like 10 yeah. times, just waiting for Hero or the shooter to get to the other side. And he's passed it to him. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a slow pay. It'll be an interesting year. I don't. Uh, I don't know. They'll have to. I think Maxie's going to be that guy, like we kind of discussed. He's going to have to drip, beat people off the dribble and continually. He's just going to be exhausted every single game because we will rely on him to be offensively dominant. But on your defensive points, I think that we're super quick. We did give up a lot of open passes. It yeah. definitely happened. But it's like every recovery that we had. No one was getting beat because of a lack of speed. It was always like we're recovered and we are there. And it's not like we're just getting burned. So we recover, we're there, we recover, we're there. And if we give up an open look in the corner of the three, I mean, that's what happens. But Yeah, I think it was mental mistakes which are much easier to fix than guys who just don't have the physical capability of guarding people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But we, we've got a guy with uh, big balls, though. We've got our big balls yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah, <Maxie>. we do. <laughs> yeah, Max, he's got, the, he's got the big balls. He's going to be the guy taking the shots down the stretch, it seems. We'll... Uh, uh, we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts though. You being up at Duke, and then now you watching this game. Do you think that the the showcase of talent in the championship game? Do you think that? I mean, obviously you enjoy them. You watch them; they're fun. But do you think they're good for the league having those guys early in the season? Barely got. I mean, you've got your practice reps in, but first game of the season, you're going up against these top seeds. Uh, I. I doubt the NCAA tournament weighs it too much, and I think it's more for the fans. Even though you are getting very low quality basketball, like I don't know if you watched the Duke Kansas game, but no, that was I just heard. so sloppy. I that heard. was just it was pitiful. Um, I think it's just more of the excitement. I think it's they could do it better. I think it'd be more exciting this late in the season, but right. you got to have something in the season to remind people it's college basketball time. That's true. That's true. It's a good tip-off. I will agree with that. I also think what I gain from it a whole lot is seeing a team in that first week versus some of these top teams and how that team develops and changes over the season. You don't get yeah. a better gauge. You don't get a better gauge for the U.K. Wildcats than when they play someone like this at the beginning of the season and we say, how did we win that game? But we did. Okay, great. And then we get back towards tournament time and we're like, oh, my gosh, we're a completely different team. Speaking of that, is Coach K washed? I mean, their best game of this their best game of the season last year was against us, their very first game. They yeah. look any better come into the tournament time. He's washed. No, I don't know. I don't know if I can say that Coach K is ever washed because he's a Hall of Fame coach and all that stuff. He but is, he is yeah. getting up in that age. And we do have to start asking the question, how many years does he have left in him? Because he doesn't look so hot. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not been impressed at all. Yeah. Uh, another another good point I saw on the I think it was on the ringer they they mentioned that it's just good getting to know the players' names. A lot of people they're just because we have lots of lots of freshmen are playing with oh, yeah. blue blood, so you're just learning the, who the players are. Yeah, uh, I got to I got to wait or service. Jeez, uh, what am I? I'm a customer service rep at a bank, and Ryan Lemon okay. is one of our customers. So he came in who. I didn't know who he was at first, but he's a KSR personality, and he comes in, and he was giving us a lot of, you know, 
top tier radio content based on the cats. <laughs> he's sitting here, comes in, and he's like, well, guys, I'll tell you what. With that win right there, I don't know when we see the next the next loss this season until oh, maybe man. nine games in because the slate is going to be fairly simple at home. We go up against people like Eastern Kentucky. We go up yeah. against some of these, not exhibition games, but, you know, they essentially I are. The next big game is Georgia Tech, December 14th. Okay. I only know the date because I'm going to it. Mark your calendars, ladies and gentlemen, December 14th. Um yeah, that's great. I'll be in Florida. Shouts out. I'm really excited for my vacation. Woo woo. But um Good for you. Yeah, Fort Myers, Florida. I'll be enjoying that from uh the scenic view of a hot tub. You feel me? Oh yeah, because Gap has family there, right? That's right, that's right. Aunt uh aunt and uncle in law are are they have a sweet spot down in Fort Myers, so super excited. But that's dope. That's the cats. Uh for those of you guys who don't know, Cook is uh Cook is a big Cats fan and we just wanted to use that to get our creative juices flowing as we get into this jam-packed content uh podcast. Um you know what Cook is also excited about? He's excited about uh, big data. He's excited about the segments that we've been doing, and he decided to do some big data himself. So insert Japanese big data teacher here. In this session, let us try to understand what is big data. Big data basically refers to huge volume of data that cannot be stored and processed using the traditional approach within the given time frame. The next big question that comes to our mind is how huge this data needs to be in order to be classified as big data. And I'm going to give Cook the mic to uh, to maybe explain to us what he's found on his research in this segment of big data. Ben, I don't know if you've seen data this big before. <laughs> I don't know. You just can't call It's just big data. You know what I mean, Cook? So what I did is I tried to compile uh, for each team how many points per week they average per each position. And I tried to see if that would, if they doing just like basic regression uh, R squared to okay. see if that could predict – how well someone was doing. Yeah, could you tell I, us I, some I, of the uh, some of the systems that you've used to compile these numbers? Purely Excel. Excel I, is my. I well. just plotted winning percentage <laughs> against average points per week for each position, and so to quickly explain R squared. So if it's zero, it's between zero and one. If zero means absolutely no correlation, if one, it means a determining factor. And so the higher the number, the higher the correlation is. Okay. Wow. All right. All right. This is good. This is good. That's big data for you guys at home. Yeah. And I also did points for and points against. And to this, to not to the surprise of Mark, points against is more indicative of how you perform than points for. Okay. Say that again. So say that again one more time. Points against is, is more indicative more of how you will. If, if, It'll give you a better chance of winning rather than points for. Okay. Which yeah, kind yeah. of contributes to the luck factor. Exactly. Or poor, or poor management because you're allowing so many points. Wow, that's good. It's good. You're a lot. Well, see, that's the thing. Allowing so many points, there's nothing that you can do about who they set in their lineup. Like, I, what if there was? What if there was some kind of fantasy perk that you could have? Like, you have three superpowers, you know, a week, and it's like you have to wait. Like, I nullify all of the RB1's position points. So, like, you knock off an RB for one of the week. That would be a superpower. Like, so kind of like a, a lifeline, like who in 
Exactly. Exactly a life. Or you yeah. maybe switch maybe switch matchups one week. Oh my goodness. Yeah, like uh, I'm playing my swap card and I'm going against Mark this week <laughs> instead of Connor Fulkerson or something like that. Yeah. No, but okay, so you're right. So points four is more indicative of your win and loss category, but it's unfortunate because like you mentioned before with the luck, there's nothing really that we can do about our points four against us. We can just Yeah, you just kind of receive it and that that there you go. We can just blame it on on ownership and management. Absolutely, yeah, and that's and this is why it's so important that you get to know the the details, the intricacies of the management that you're playing against. Because if you're going up against the likes of a guy like Evan Shackled, he's got a long history of very very bad management decisions. So you know sure. you know that you are in good standing, or at least have a good chance of getting low points for. Speaking of Shacklet, so I uh, two categories where he excessively fails at. Oh, this is One, great. One is the flex position. Okay. So uh, Eric's leading that position. He averages about nine flex points per week. So the way I did it was I averaged the running back was the two top running backs, wide receiver, two top wide receivers. Yeah. And if there's three running backs, I would count the lowest as the flex. Some people change it up. Like yeah, yeah, I have right, some of my right. high scoring ones in flex position. So. Yeah. But most people are about right between like four and seven. But Shacklet's all the way at two. He averages just a little over two points per week in his flex category. Woo! He has three weeks in which his flex scored zero points. Wow, that's uh, that's hot. See, this is the thing, Cook. Whenever people don't set up their set their lineup, it's actually like it's a cardinal sin in fantasy football. You need to set your lineup. But essentially, what you're telling me is that Evan's so bad at managing that <laughs> it's essentially like he just left someone on the bench and that his team is produced in kind of that that same vein: zero points, zero points, pretty zero much points, his, three times. His bench is absurdly good. Oh wow. Okay, that's interesting. That's good. I don't um, actually have the data to see that. I'm just anecdotal yeah. watching it week after week. I mean, we had all we we got all that we needed in last week's segment. Whenever Kyler Murray and uh, the tight end that he selected didn't work, so we'll get into that later. But I want to hear yeah. more about this big data and where you found it, or maybe like where we can see where you've seen a very interesting stat, maybe or something like that. So one thing I thought was interesting: uh, if you were to guess, what position would you think is least indicative of winning, and which one's most? Okay, least indicative. I would have thought it was the tight end. You know what I mean? Like it's this tight end spot. Maybe it's, you know, you get a high ceiling of maybe 15, 16 points, or you have a low ceiling of like, okay, two or a low floor of two or three points. So that, that gap there, I would have thought that's very minimal and that shouldn't, I don't know, pour in too much to whether or not you're winning or losing. Uh, it's very close to tight end. Tight end and kicker, like kicker oh, has wow. a, a, R squared of 0.0026. Wow. So essentially irrelevant to how you perform. Wow. Tight end, actually in our league, uh, the best performers have the worst tight ends. It's the worst teams that have better tight ends. Are you and serious? Same, and same with wide receivers, actually. Okay, okay, wait. Scratch everything. All right, so hold on. You're telling me from this data that, one – we have essentially come to the conclusion that kickers really do not offer that much. And when we started the discussion earlier, way back in Tuscaloosa, the beginning of the season, we said, should we get rid of kickers? This is data for the reality that we should get rid of kickers, yes? But you're you're kind of the outlier. Like, your oh, team gosh. Is, you're, you're an incredible manager of kickers. You're second best. Thank so you. So you're kind of bringing the data down with your poor performance this yeah. year. Yeah, I, yeah, you know. I'm the number one team, and I have the number one kicker. So oh, okay. Who is your kicker? Uh, Greg Zerlon. Gre- He's okay. actually not number one, but I have number one points over the season. Okay, gotcha. I, I had a good bye week. Yeah, I've got to— uh, the, the reason why I did this all is because I wanted to prove to you all that this league as a whole is a problem. 
Oh. You all do not value quarterbacks nearly as much as you need to. Oh, gosh. And so the R squared, the highest, the highest correlation was with quarterback, and it's R squared of zero point four two one five. Wow. Much higher than anything else. I mean, you did have Luke Warford drafting a third round Patrick Mahomes. But then you have other guys drafting 13th round, drafting Mitch Trubisky. I, mean, I know. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I will say, Cook, you, you bring in a, a spice to this league that we're, we are – you're you're a foreign you're a foreign soil in uh, in in this league and we appreciate that we really do because your draft technique was different okay it was different and you get to reap the benefits of it being different because you are a top tier team in our league right now so you are a uh, let's say let's go to biblical terms here you are an apostle with the envel- the the good news and you are taking it from from east you're taking it as, you're taking it to the ends of the earth right now and i think that we need to hear this because here it is I've been stuck on the bedrock in the reality that teams win, you make or break it on RBs. And I know that your stats probably support that they are important. There's no doubt that they're not important like for RBs, sure, yes. Sure. But you telling me that the number one correlation with winning football games and fantasy football is with your effing quarterback – that is that right. insane. So you listen up, podcast right. listeners. Listen to our league, Fight Club League, <laughs> because we've been based on a run-back-heavy league. Sturdy, like, if you got sturdy backs, then your depth is good, then you're good. But you're telling me if I go out there and I get a Lamar Jackson, a Patrick Mahomes, then I'm winning football games. Pretty much. I'm not saying go and draft these guys in the first few rounds. Right. I, I may not even draft fourth round. I, mean, I remember uh, earlier in a podcast like a month ago, you guys went back to the draft, and like third round was just stellar. It was incredible. It was, it, was, it was the fourth round, but I remember. Yeah, it was the fourth round. So I said. It was the fourth. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And so maybe fifth is time to start drafting a quarterback. Maybe it's a little early, but 13th is just pitiful, man. All right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> here's, the, here's the train of thought, and I know that a lot of people were thinking the same thing as me. And now, again, I am sitting four and five, so I don't have much of a leg to stand on here. As you sit, you know, um, what's what's your stinging team now? You're daggone seven and two. So you got a bunch better leg to stand on here. What I was thinking, and I will say this was an outlier kind of for this season, was that you can draft or you can waiver wire pick up depth in the quarterback position, but then whenever, I don't know, whenever the Alex um, – whatever his name is, goes down. Cam Newton goes down. Uh, Drew Brees goes down. It was like you did get a hit on the top 10, the top tier quarterbacks in the league. When those three or four dropped out, it was like, well, crap. Now I'm digging back into the 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 pits of quarterbackness. And I will say I was very, very biased towards Trubisky, and he screwed me. <laughs> That's my fault. So, yeah, 13th, you're absolutely you, you correct. Do, you do make a great point. This year has been absurd with quarterback injuries. And even, like, Andrew Luck going out before the season. I mean, there's probably, like, 10 guys that we thought yeah, were starting exactly. before the season who are no longer starting now. Yeah. And so the quarterback depth has been, just been shot. But one guy that wasn't even drafted in our league yeah. is now averaging fifth most points at quarterback. And he's two points away from being fourth, and that man is Matthew Stafford. Oh, my goodness. He is two points away from being fourth in points per game in our league. I picked him up like a three or four weeks ago for $2 yeah. because guess, guess who dropped him? Uh, Shacklet, of course, dropped him. Shacklet. Yeah. Also, Shacklet, according to the data, he averages the least points of anyone for uh, quarterbacks. Not surprising. Not surprising at all. But he, I, think this is he, very, I think this is very interesting. Sorry to cut you off there. 
Matthew Stafford is one of those prime quarterbacks that people have got Aaron Rodgers, all right? People have got Patrick Mahomes. People have got Russell Wilson. People have got these, like, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees. They've got these top seven, eight quarterbacks. Like, somebody's got them. But for the other 12 people that are in our league, you do. The people that fall to you are... Well, actually, the people that fall to you are the people like Matthew Stafford, the people like Philip Rivers, the people like Mitchell Trubisky, the people that just, I mean, maybe Kirk Cousins, like these people that fall to you. And it's just very, very interesting because I would have thought that with that depth, like Kirk Cousins or Matthew Stafford, these people that you can pick up in the 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 area, that you would have found a winner in that because Kirk Cousins right now is even the ninth-ranked quarterback. But obviously it just – I don't know. It's uh, Carson Wentz isn't up there this year when he should be. Lamar Jackson has taken one of those top tier spots as well, moving everybody down. It's it's very interesting, but I love this stat. I think I think the dream is to find a guy. I think Matthew Stafford is in the Tony Romo vein, yeah. where he is mocked and ridiculed because he just loses games, but he puts up a ton of fancy points, and so people just undervalue him because he doesn't win games. But when it comes so. He wins fancy football games. Right. Wow. Love that. It's not about <laughs> winning NFL games. It's about winning fantasy football games, people, and that's what we're after. So that's great. So, man, maybe this is the podcast that turns it all around and maybe steers our ship in the right direction in a half PPR format with 12 teams. We've got to focus more on the quarterback. That's what I'm saying. When did you draft Lamar Jackson? We'll get into maybe some pre-draft stuff later, but still remaining in this big data segment, when did you draft Lamar Jackson? I believe it was round eight. Round eight. Round eight. Mm. No, wait. Round nine. Round nine. Even lower. round nine. Even lower. Uh, very, very interesting. Uh, I wanted to give you a, a, a time or like a segment here just to tell me, how do you feel about your draft choice with Lamar Jackson, and uh, would you like to gloat at all about that decision? I There were five players I wanted to get in this draft, and I got four of them. I think it was Malcolm Brown okay. with complete bust, didn't work out at all. Uh, Devontae Adams. I got my Don Towns my first pick. Yeah, I traded him away. He got injured right after I traded him. I wanted Bears defense, yeah. but I settled for the Patriots defense. So. Oh my gosh! Yeah, settled. <laughs> Unbelievable. Great pick there. Okay. Uh, let's see who else. The others who I wanted. Oh, Greg Zerline. I really value a good kicker. Okay. I can't remember the other one, but my biggest regret in the draft was. Uh, second round, I was between two guys, and one guy had another league last year. I was like, I think he has some potential. Yeah, he was injured, but I was like, he could go off. But instead, I picked Juju. But the other guy was Dalvin Cook. So oh, oh, he yeah, Dalvin Cook last year. He, you're right, injured. Kind of, you didn't want with an ACL. You never know what it's going to look like them coming out of that. Sometimes. The recoveries have gotten better and better, but still, I mean, he won me a championship last year. Cook till Brown. I mean, my team was named after him and Antonio Brown, so it was it was truly amazing. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. And then back to the Lamar thing. Yeah. I the main reason why I picked him up was because I looked at the way we score in our league, yeah. and it really uh, rewards quarterbacks who can throw touchdowns but also run the ball because I think sure. it's like point one per carry, and so I thought that little extra edge. But I had no idea he'd be this good. I was thinking maybe like fringe top five, hmm. yeah, maybe like seventh, eighth. But did you play him against the Pats last week? No, I played Matt Stafford. Man, smart, smart. Um, 
Because the defense, did the defense do okay, or did they get cut up? Did you have switched those and had Pat's D in and then put Stafford in as starting, or did you, should you have? I had Pat's D in Stafford, and I think uh, Lamar scored like .2 points more than him. Oh, okay. They were both in the the 30s. Yeah, it's just crazy, because Lamar's game, the way that he shamed the the the, uh, Patriots, the Patriots were like, it would have made me think that he went off for like 40 points. But the reality is that he just diced him up, cut him up, and the Baltimore Ravens like looked really good, which was incredible. And he was the guy that the Pats couldn't stop. But that didn't mean that he went off fantasy-wise. That means that they won NFL-wise. But we go back to our point before. It's about winning fantasy football games, not about winning <laughs> NFL games. So looks can be deceiving. It was it was very uh, it was a very it was just a very impressive game. I, I watched uh, most of it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. He's tough. I don't know. I don't know. There, there was a couple of moves that I mean he made in the backfield that people were just like it's a video game and I'm completely on board. I was like yeah it's it's an it's insane. Um, I want to say is a, probably a terrible. Say it again. So this is probably a terrible comparison, but it reminds me uh, watching Jared Lorenzen back in the day how he would just escape these tackles. I know they're completely different body types, and Jared Lorenzen is even close to being on the same level as Lamar Jackson, but he's able to break tackles. Yeah, R.I.P. Mad love for Jared Lorenzen. Mm. 22, baby. Um, so, I, like, before we get out of this, because I could ask you 100 questions on this big stat stuff or big data stuff, I think it – tell me what – so your correlation, what you found, was quarterbacks was number one. Kind of go through the list at, as to how relevant and a corollary were each position to winning football games. We know that the tight end was small, kicker was the most small, quarterback was the highest – you said the wide receivers was also low, surprisingly. Yeah, so honestly, I don't know how much how much I can really take off this data, especially because, like, some teams are going to have like I was actually I think the lowest of wide receivers. Yeah. Which were kind of surprising because I have Amari Cooper and Cooper Cup. Yeah. But I right. got those guys late, and I also have a really good third wide receiver, and so, it's, like, according to the data, the. <laughs> The less points you score as a wide receiver, the more you're more likely to win games, which obviously right. isn't really true. But right. so I don't know how much to delete in that. But the second one, it goes quarterback and then defense. Defense with an R squared yeah. of uh, 0.2794. And so I guess the reality of like, and I'm going to let you continue, but that would mean that the teams that have the most victories in our league, so you, um, you, Griffin, Kevin, Kevin and Griffin, essentially. Probably, and Isaac, surprisingly. And Isaac have had good defensive outings. That's what that yeah, that's, essentially says. Yeah, basically. Okay. But that's, I mean, that's okay. It's good to know. I mean, just moving forward. But, yeah, it's it's very – and for you guys to be separated with seven and six wins from probably what is the average of with yeah. – you know, it's probably like four wins or something like that is the average with people. So A lot of the stuff you should take with a grain of salt, but it was just interesting to look oh, at. Oh, yeah. I can post the data on a uh, maybe I can shoot a post on the Facebook group. That'd be great. The, I mean, put way t- I, put, I put way too much work into it today. This is see, way too time consuming. That's the that's the best kind of work is uh, too much work. <laughs> I know that Evan and Eric can attest. I know that this podcast is a living testament of too much work, but uh, but we appreciate it and the league is better because of it. So thank you so much, Cook, for the big data. If you could post that, I know that we would all actually find it very very interesting. I, I know Patrick is a big big data supporter, so. Uh, he would love that. I would love that. The likes of the league would like that. Or if you like this information just to yourself so that you can conquer the league and you keep that to yourself, I completely understand that too. That's respectable. 
Nah, I'll, I'll post it. There's probably a lot of outliers here, and a lot of it's probably garbage. But yeah. <laughs> I was I was I was too deep into it to not finish it. That's right. I love it. I love it. Um, okay, we're gonna go into a segment here as we as we we cross over. Thank you for big data segment. Another big data big data entrance <laughs> right here. Space. In this session, let us try to understand what is big data. The next big question that comes to our mind is. How huge this data needs to be in order to be classified as big data. Big data. But we're going to move into, I just kind of want to sit down. Uh, I told Kevin I might do this with him, but I'm probably just going to end up doing it with you. Uh, I just want to get inside the mind of a, of a team who's seven and two. You know what I mean? I want you to sit back, relax a little bit, and just take into the fact that you're seven and two, you're a playoff, per, you're a playoff, you're in the playoffs for sure, no matter what happens in the future. Could you tell me, I mean, just what does it feel like to see that seven in the win column for your team? I probably as soon as week two, I kind of expected that I was going to make the playoffs. <laughs> this and, guy, <laughs> this guy, this guy, this freaking guy right here. All right. Okay. I've been make every single trade I've made. Well, the last trade I made was with you. Yeah. And I wonder kind of what you think about that now after, because a lot of things that happened since then. That was the Cooper Cup carry on yes. Johnson trade. Yes. So, but, uh, well, I'll just. That every, go ahead. Before that, every trade I made was with playoffs in mind. I was looking at, is this guy, who's, what's their matchup weeks 14 through 16? That's all I cared about. And then the trade bug just got me. It bit me right in the butt. I got, I got it carried away with it. Felt like I had to show off. Felt like I had to do something. I made that trade, which I think I'm, I'm glad I made the trade. But. Right, and I would say again, it's it's two different uh, two different competitors right now. You're in the top, trying to sure playoff victories in the future because you have enough to get in. Um, yeah, but yeah, when I look back on that trade, I don't know. It's uh, it because immediately what happened was like Cup had a bad game, the first bad game that he'd had in like four weeks or something like that. So it made my, made it yeah. look good for me. But I even said like in rebuttal to that is that wide receivers are volatile. Even with like certain like the Rams offense can be volatile. Volatile if you know Goff's not slinging it well and they've got all these wide receivers. It's it's very up and down. But and that matchup he had uh, where he just was miserable. The 49ers defense who are allowing the least amount of uh, receiving yards in the league, and the Rams go against them week 16, which is the championship. So I'm kind of nervous about him. That's why I was at one point considering trading him. I almost traded him for Mike Evans, which I really regret not doing. Mike yeah. Evans is absolutely insane. That guy, I mean, zero one week, 40 another. He's yeah. incredible. That is, that's absolutely insane. Um, but our trade, I wanted to hang on it. I pulled it up. It's Chris. It's Chris Thompson, Philip Rivers, Cooper Cup, Greg Olson for Carson Wentz, Golden Tate, and Carryon Johnson. Yeah. Carryon got hurt, and I dropped Philip Rivers and Chris Thompson. So it was essentially Cooper Cup and Greg Olson for Carson Wentz and Golden Tate. Yeah, I think what you said was good about the trade bug is a real thing. You know what I mean? It is like it happened to Tiz and he, you know, lives in infamy because of it now forever. But you just get the itch and you're like, well, you know, it's kind of I mean, it's maybe it's a good move. Maybe I'm taking a little bit of risk, but it could pay off. It's just a real thing. So the league just needs to come to a, a, a concession that if you get into a deep like trough of trade thought and you find your way out of it, round of applause to you, because when you're in it, it's hard to get out. 
Uh, Mansour is really good at that. I mean, they haven't worked out for him, but I feel like Evan Shackle's really good at digging his heels in and not getting caught with the bug. Yeah, yeah, you know that's that's true. Probably in although he is absolutely brutal to trade to try and to negotiate with. I remember a month ago. I know. He, he so I offered a trade for him. He's like, I wouldn't do that. Not only would I not do that, he said I wouldn't trade David Johnson for Carry On Johnson and Lamar Jackson. And this is back when they were all healthy. Yeah, that's tough. I. Yeah, which brings us back to our trade with Carryon Johnson now being injured. Yeah, I mean, you broke it down simply, but I think that it's worked out well for someone who needs the best wide receiver going into the playoffs. It worked out in the time for me to try to have what I believed was a good quarterback in Carson Wentz. Honestly, that hasn't panned out that well, but that's okay because I still love Carson Wentz. He did get you one win at least. Yeah, he did have one good outing. I remember that. But it's been hard because I've kept plugging away with him, thinking that he would produce or come out. But with uh, with Deshaun Jackson not spreading the field out the way that he usually does and having that deep ball threat, it really has clogged it up. And that's why Earth's yeah. production hasn't been good. That's also why everybody else, I mean, Carson Wentz included, hasn't really jetted out as much. But we have seen a peak in Jordan Howard this season, which you've benefited from. Yeah, he's. Uh, I think he's 13th in the league right now and, uh, as a yeah. running back. And he started off doing nothing. Yeah. He's, he uh, I was thinking I was going to trade him because I thought he was just, I was going to sell high and he just kept going. Yeah. Very, very interesting stuff there. That, um, yeah, I just, I just wanted to bring it, I guess, the, in lieu of the trade deadline, in lieu of that happening this week. There's a lot of trades in the works, I'm sure, with a lot of different people. I've talked to Patrick, I've talked to you, I've talked to Luke. It is that trade deadline season, and as a 7-2 and two person like yourself, again, trying to get into the mind of a 7-2 and two person, do you see any more improvements to your team that you can make before the trade deadline hits? And is that trade deadline pressure, is it is it pushing on you a little bit? I know that we're in trade talks, but keep that separate as much as you possibly can. Do you feel the need to trade just because of the trade deadline? Not because of the trade deadline, but I don't want to go into it too too much, but uh, something I've been working on. I've been trying to sell, get rid of a war chest to get to just improve one area. But I don't want to. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, my cards too much. So, yeah, but yeah. I've, I've got a couple things in the works. It's fair. I, I, I'm, I think I'm one trade away from being a very, very good team. Well, you're already a very, very good team, sitting at seven and two. Uh, do you ever just? sit back in your bedroom at night and think I'm seven and two in a very, very intense, overly dramatic fantasy football league. And that just makes your day. Yeah. I, yes, I do love this. I, I love this league. Better. I don't think I've told you this, but I probably have traded more times this year than I ever had in my entire life. Yeah. And I started playing like back in 06 or something. So I've been playing for a dozen plus years Always in leagues where like guys will never trade, or if they're going to trade, they're offering you like two pieces of crap for right. one good player, and so yeah. I just never did it. But yeah, this is easily the most fun I've ever had in a league. Uh, I love to hear that. Uh, it, it seems like the conversations have been dying down a little bit. Some of the guys who are uh, who are kind of leading the charge have kind of their teams have kind of fallen by the wayside, but I think sure. things are picking back up again. So I'm excited to yeah. see uh, how things are going playoff time. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I think as it as it naturally does, again, implementing what will be a universal rule hopefully next year. Week seven's just gonna be a buy where everybody can just take a content break that they need. What happens is this content really does wear on you over time. And as we see an introduction of NBA basketball into the works for so many people in this league, they do love it a whole lot. And I just know that yeah, it's really, really hard. I'm trying to be a Bulls fan this week, this this uh, this season, and early wins are very, very important in your playoff push. And I know that people are just sold out for the teams that's right, like so far. So I just know that's bound to happen. So there's a a week seven bye, there's a week eight resurgence because of our bye, and then there's kind of this like downtrend just a little bit as we lean into NBA, and then we uptick back towards playoffs because it gets back to intensity. You're right. We talked about it in the pod last time. People are either seeing their playoff dreams die down, so they die down, or they're seeing their playoff dreams peak, and they're just kind of like, man, I don't want to change anything. I don't want to make any noise, or they're making all the noise about it. But it's usually it's polarizing by this point. So you know, Kev knows, Scruff probably knows that he's in. So there's three people there that – I don't have a. I don't. You don't have to give a whole lot of noise to everyone talking because your 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 opinion your your opinions have been made by your results. One thing I do love about this league is, uh, I mean, just the idea of the toilet bowl. Because I'm going to go into the playoffs and I'm going to keep track of every single game. Because normally I'm like, okay, I'll just watch my game. Don't care about anyone else. But like, I'm excited to see who's going to lose. Who's going to end up in the Ziggy suits. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm hoping to watch some football games with you guys because I'll have like a month off in December. Man, yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great, and we're gonna, I'm 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 all on board for whenever you get in town. We need to make it happen. Um, so that's talking about seven and two matchups. Uh, I do want to get off of that a little bit. Not talking about trades anymore. You said before we were talking as we were kind of planning this all together. You said that there were a couple people that you were afraid of. And for those of you guys listening to the podcast, we're going to kind of cross over into a different segment here where we've gotten into the mind of a 7-2 and two player. We've talked a little bit about the trade deadline and what's going on there. Actually, whoop, 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 whoop. on the trade deadline topic before we move on, I want to discuss the trade that happened two hours ago. Yeah. So let's pull that up. It's a, it's a red alert between... Like Warford and Kevin Wallace have made a trade that seems to have very monumental pieces in it. Um, I did not see this coming at all. I did not see this coming at all either. I was in discussion with Luke about trades, but we hadn't really put anything together. What happened with Luke is that Luke was facing a situation with buys that he was trying to replace people, but then also trying to fill in a spot because he got hit hard by buys this week. So we've seen now... Luke Warford is going to gain Todd Gurley. He's going to gain Michael Thomas and Devin Singletary. So Michael Thomas, Todd Gurley, those are bigger pieces, bigger pieces. And then he is, uh, Kevin is going to get Juju, uh, Juju Smith, Saquon Barkley, and Philip Lindsay already to what we thought was a very, very good team with Kevin Wallace now. Now he's got Kevin. Now he's got Saquon Barkley. I want to hear your thoughts on this, Cook. I think Kevin's team got worse. I think Luke won the trade. I'm really proud of Luke here. Michael Thomas, uh, I believe he's number one. Yeah, he's the number one wide receiver. He is by far the most consistent wide receiver. Week after week, you know what you're getting out of him. Occasionally he'll go off for 30-plus points. And he's getting Drew Brees back. Uh, Devin Singletary, the last two games, he's had uh, averaging about 17, 18 points. Todd Gurley has a high ceiling. 
Uh, I've had Juju. I don't think he's. I mean, a good week for him is going to be 10, 11 points. I mean, that's just pathetic. Yeah. Saquon Barkley's offense. I don't. I. I like Danny Dimes, I guess, but I just don't. I just don't trust them as a team. I don't think he's going to be a produce. I think they're going to go. Let me check their schedule. Yeah. I actually. I think you're. As you look at the schedule, I think you're right. I think Luke won this trade. Um, I do. I think that he won this trade with, like you said, Drew Brees coming back. The Saints offense is going to continue to tick as it's been ticking surprisingly all year um, without a blip with Teddy Bridgewater stepping in. But they continue to produce. So he's got Michael Thomas, Devin Singletary, who I just, if you compare the two, who's better, Philip Lindsay or Devin Singletary? Devin Singletary's got the momentum right now in that conversation. He does, he does. So Devin's better than Philip. And then it's how much do you value Saquon over Todd Gurley? Now, this is probably a different league. Like, the league could discuss this 100 different ways and flip it 100 different ways. Some people believe in Todd. Some people don't. He has to produce like he did last week or like he has last year. Can anybody produce like he did last year? No. So is there going to be a decline? But how steep is the drop-off from Todd Gurley for Saquon Barkley? Does it make up for Juju and the Michael Thomas difference? I don't think it does. I don't think so either. I think Todd Gurley has the potential to. I think I feel like they. I don't know if I, I don't know any statistics, statistics to back this up. Yeah. But I feel like the idea was in the beginning of the season to start him out slow, ease him into it. So by the beginning of the year, he was going hard, and so I think he has the potential. He has uh, just a higher ceiling to go. I think he has. Uh, he could be getting 20, 20 point games throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. He has some tough matchups coming up, but. I'd I'd want to have him. Yeah, and I mean, I mean was, if you look at if you look at Luke's roster, I mean he has Keenan Allen who started off red hot. Yeah, he's I don't know if Rivers can get him back to that, but he has Michael Thomas, Austin Hooper, wow. Patrick Mahomes. His team, his team's getting kind of stacked. Yeah, he's making. I mean, he's three and six, so he's got some moves that he's got to make, and that's another thing, one of those things going into the trade deadline. What you love to see is lower tier teams. Now, unfortunately, Luke's team falls in this category because he's three and six. But lower te- lower tier teams with stacked rosters not making the playoffs because they're trapped on a team, a sinking ship, if you will, of players that just aren't going to carry that relevance into a playoff conversation. Mm-hmm. I think he's setting himself up well, though, to be on the sidelines during the Ziggy race. And that's Dude, what really matters. That's a really good point, Cook. You're right. It's not always about <laughs> making playoffs in the championship. That is ultimately what we're fighting for. But who wants to be in a uh, yeah in a in a freaking mascot suit running around? That's absolutely correct. Um, wow. So we've we've talked about a lot here. Uh, we've gone through. We talked about the cats a little bit. We've warmed up. We talked about your big data segment. We've talked about the trade deadline. We've even discussed a trade that happened just a couple moments ago. My dog is licking his butthole, so I'm going to throw this at him real quick. <laughs> Stop it! Stop it. Unbelievable. But we've gone through a lot of topics, and we've been able to cover a lot of good points here. Man, I can't believe that about the trade. I am, uh, I'm thrilled with that. I'm going to like it right now. And, uh, yeah, very, very good stuff here. Very good content. But we're going to move into another segment, believe it or not. If, uh, if one, two, three, three and a half segments isn't enough for you guys, we're going to dive into another one. <clears throat> you told me on the pod beforehand that you were afraid of two teams. Maybe yeah. you're introducing a third team into this after that trade. But two teams that you are afraid of. I'd like for you to give me – now this is, again, 
for the listeners at home, this is Alex Cook, seven and two, a, a, a completely dynamic, uh, dynamic player in this league. He's really adjusted to the league, turned the league on its head, and is making 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 noise in all the right categories. He's afraid of two individuals. We're going to give you the first one. Who is one of those two individuals you're afraid of? Uh, one of them, he almost moved to number one on the list after his performance last week. But I didn't want to have a knee-jerk reaction, and that is Eric Eric Johnson. Wow, Eric Johnson getting some noise. Tell me what he you is, think. Uh, Eric Johnson is one of three teams in the league who has never gone under 100 points. I think the lowest he's gone is like 105, and he mm-hmm. also is one of the few teams that has potential to hit 160 or 170 in a week. Wow, you you like that? I mean, obviously, with that comes consistency on his team. Is there is there any player on his team that maybe you've seen that you're like, I was, I've been surprised with him. This whole entire season? Oh. Uh, I mean, actually, I'm going to go with Russell Wilson. Yeah, I was going to say. I, I think he's like the anti-Matt Stafford, Tony Romo, where typically he puts up poor fancy points, but just wins games and is just a good good teammate, good leader, good quarterback, but is not a guy you want in fantasy league, and he has been the complete opposite of this league. He's front – He's him and Lamar are probably the front runners for MVP. Yes. Russell's currently number one in points, and – he probably, I think he has the two highest point totals of any quarterback this year. Yeah, he's gotten uh, forty nine and fifty two, and that's just insane. Yeah. I mean, that can single handedly carry a team, and you can put just scrubs on his team, and he can beat some people in our league. Yeah, absolutely. And then pair that with Zeke Elliott. You're right. There's and Mike Evans, obviously. Again, yeah. the 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 variety with Mike Evans or the the I don't know what the word is. I'm going to say. Uh, uh, can, you just don't know what you're getting from him. I mean, is Chris volatility. I found it. It came to me. Volatility of Mike Evans oh, is unreal. That's a good one. That's a good yeah, one. I mean, you got high 40s and then you've got straight zero. You never know. Now, it's then, something up with that Tampa Bay offense, but it's whatever. Yeah. And then Zeke Elliott, if I were to guess, does he He probably averages the most running rushing yards over the past three or four years. He's incredibly consistent. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, Zeke is an absolute monster. I mean, his yard... Yeah, his yard per carry is just nuts. Like it's for these games, I can just run through a few of them. All of them are all of them but two are above five. Like it's just it's just it's just crazy. He's got six yards per carry, five yards per carry, three point eight, five point two, one point nine, six point six, four point eight, four point one. Dang it! So there's more than that that are uh, less than five or whatever. But it that's insane. That's insane. And- the Cowboys defense is trending up from what I've seen, and so that just means he's just going to get more touches. He's going to get more time in the playing field with the defense getting stops. Yeah. Do you think that this is kind of off topic and we'll move on to uh, another team that you fear, but do you think the Cowboys got a real chance for the Super Bowl this year with that wide receiver set that you've seen this season firsthand with Amari Cooper and the running back depth and Dak stepping up his quarterback game? Do you think And they- Randall Cobb. They got the experienced leader, Randall Cobb. That's right. That's right. He's doing his thing. So. And Jason Witten. Can they make the playoff run? I'm going to say yes. I could see it. Yeah. I mean, I guess they have to get through the 49ers and the Seahawks. Are those the two main teams in the NFC? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be them and the Seahawks. I could see them doing I could see them making the Super Bowl. I think it's reasonable. They've got a good defense, too, which has also been surprising. As far as whenever – I mean, if you got a wide receiver going up against Dallas, I mean, they're ranked, like, in the top five pre- mm-hmm. like for wide receivers. And then, I mean, they've just been good in the running game, too, so – Oh, and I guess New Orleans is also up there. New Orleans and Green Bay. That's true. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, yeah, very interesting. Okay, so we talk about Eric, and it's interesting because Eric is a is a five and four team, but uh, but you know, who is your other feared mo- like one of your more feared teams as you sit seven and two? Who are you looking in the distance? And you're like, man, I would hate to run into that guy. So I'll first I'll give an honorable mention to our boy Connor Fulkerson. Oh yeah, sure. I sure, kind of sure. I already knew his reputation going into the league that he was incredibly consistent. But his team has been the complete opposite of that. Yeah, you're absolutely Probably, correct. I, I haven't looked at it, but I would guess he has the largest range between like highest points scored and lowest points scored. Yeah. I mean, like you, know, you said, just fall, yeah. the entire team is just volatile. He's essentially Mike Evans. I Here's uh, – and Connor, I mean, if you're listening to this, buddy, I mean, we're talking to you, you know, and we're, we're just curious. Uh, what, what do you think the role of a girlfriend – plays in his <laughs> mental state do you think that he spent maybe too much time with his girlfriend and he can't focus on things that really matter like fantasy football or do you think like i mean what i, I don't know try does to help he, me does he, does he know how to emotionally process having a girlfriend he doesn't know how to allocate his time he's never had this issue before you've got i mean honestly you're given a paycheck with 120 some odd hours in a week you got to allocate these things priorities are important <laughs> they're important Okay, you've got to budget these things. Yeah, it's just you know there's too much uh, too much correlation to your points earlier. Consistency, consistency, consistency. This guy gets in the playoffs. He gets a girlfriend, and he might not make the playoffs. <laughs> I mean, those those numbers have got to be through the roof. Those got to be from zero to one. That's got to be a point nine eight or something like that. You know what I mean? What are the What are the odds? Who do you think is most likely in a league that might have set Connor up? That might have intentionally set him up with a girlfriend in order to bring him down. Well, it would have been Evan Shacklett's doing if it was anybody's. Yeah. Uh, I, I can see I him agree. thinking that way, um, but I don't trust Evan and his social cues enough to actually <laughs> convince a girlfriend or convince a girl, a female. Now, he's married and he has a kid, but to convince a female to go and sit down with Connor. I think Connor is a smooth guy. He's a, he's a super smooth, so I, I trust him uh, to get his own girlfriend at his own right. No one had to set him up, but yeah, he, uh, he probably did, you know, but I think, you know, he does, he does, he needs to better manage his time. Cause honestly, he's taking a hit in this league. So but he's think, got McCaffrey and McCaffrey alone. I mean, he's going to be in the conversation. You're right. You're right. He's got McCaffrey and he has a girlfriend. So maybe he's winning both, winning both <laughs> things. So, but okay. That's uh that's all we've got to say about Connor as an honorable mention. Who is that other Notable person that seven and two Alex Cook is fearing matching up with. The team I've been fearing for weeks. I I think I even mentioned it in one of my power rankings that they could be the best team in the league. Uh, this team dropped a dud last week. They lost to me. Alex Tisver. Wow. Okay. I think I think his team is absolutely stacked. I think he uh, his team more than any other has the most likelihood to go out for one forty one sixty. Wow. I'm trying to pull up, pull up his roster right now. It's not loading, but all right. Here you go. I, I can. Yeah, I, I don't I don't want to face him in the playoffs at all. Yeah, no doubt about that. And uh, and as we saw last year, I mean last week when these these losses they hit hard. You know what I mean? They hit really really hard, especially when you've got a team like his. We've got the likes of uh, we've got the likes of. I mean, he has Dalvin Cook, David Johnson. Leonard Fournette, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Golly. Dak Prescott. Those yeah. are all yeah. elite. I it really they're they're elite in uh 
in nature. And he's got Fournette on his bench, Hopkins. You're right. This team is steep and yeah. it's stacked. I, I don't know how he did it. He keeps making trades. He, I don't know how he put this team together. I'm very impressed by it. We'll visit this at the end. But, again, he got Dalvin Cook in his first pick. He made a trade with who else but – Shacklett to get David Johnson at what I thought was a buy low. So he got him, secured him, and now he's been playing well for the Cardinals. Julio Jones was in Well, he's a deal. been injured. It's true, yeah. So he's been injured. Julio Jones was a part of a deal, I think, with Mark, as Mark Mark's piece was Julio Jones. But he, he got a good trade in there. Sammy Watkins, he's been a bust this year, but he's still got him on his team just to keep that high explosive ceiling for maybe the bye weeks. TJ Hawkinson, he's, I don't know, I guess more consistent, but when Matthew Stafford is trending up, you like to just get a piece of that offense if you can. Yeah. Um, and with Carry on Johnson out, I think TJ Hawkinson's a good pick. I mean, he's got Hawkinson and Graham who are both mediocre tight ends, but. Yeah. And if that's the one weak spot that you have, again, it, it's uh, it's not not that bad. But yeah. Hawkins and Fournette come, geez, come, uh, come playoff time are going to be hard to deal with. So. Yeah. We'll Fortnite's see. just a work a workhorse. He doesn't really get many touchdowns, I don't think. But yeah. yeah, he's only he only has one rushing touchdown a season, but he just gets an absurd amount of carries and yardage. Yeah. And it looks like Hopkins is getting back into form. I don't think he's all the way there, but there's no reason why he can't still have that high ceiling like he does. So definitely a team to be afraid of there with Tiz and Eric uh, Johnson. But what triggers me or what sets something off in, in my in my mental is We've got teams that are seven and two alongside you and Kevin Wallace, and a team that's six and three. Isaac is also six and three. We know that Isaac's team isn't legit. It's made of paper <laughs> and it's gonna fold here soon. I mean, he's proven all the haters wrong by getting a win last week. I made some strong statements and I was wrong. I confess to those things. But you've got solid teams in Scruff McGruff who's been around for a while, and now you've got Kevin Wallace. Tell me what you're why are you not afraid of these top tier teams? I mean, I think Evan hit the nail on the head. I think he has some good analysis. And it's, I think it's power rankings a week ago, Shacklett did, where he called out at least Griffin and I think maybe Isaac too. Yeah. I, I, I mean, uh, I mean Griffin beat me earlier in the season, but he had Tyler Boyd go out for twenty something. He had multiple guys like the game of his life. Like he just has a lot of guys who. I just don't believe in his team whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, John Brown's been a surprise. He's been all right. Aaron Jones been really well. Le'Veon Bell disappointment. His quarterback situation's not very good. His backups are all mediocre. T.Y. Hilton's out. I just don't view him as a threat at all. Yeah, okay. I would. I would. I will hope that I go up against him. And Kevin, I think he's a he's the opposite of Mark. Where he's had well, maybe not quite the opposite of Mark. Isaac's the opposite of Mark, but. Kevin's had a, a bit of a chalk schedule, not quite as bad as Isaac. Yeah. But his team was good, not great, and then it just got worse with that trade. Yeah, it, it got worse. Um, we would say that he won the trade. But I think let's look at his makeup as a team altogether. I, I would agree that they're, they're just not made of those same pieces that you're afraid of with Eric's team and uh, Eric's team and Tiz's team. But I will say when I look down Kevin Wallace's lineup uh- – I know that it's it's sketchy, but we've got Goff, who has high upside when their offense is churning. Then well, Nick well, let's Chubb- look at the bench. I I'm actually regretting what I said. Here's Deshaun Watson on the bench. On the bench, so here's Deshaun Watson, Waller, Barkley, and Chubb. I mean, those guys, four guys, could get a hundred on their own. So I don't know. Maybe 
Maybe I'm not giving Kevin enough credit, actually. Well, well, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's wrong. I think that when you look at a trade at face value, pieces to pieces, sometimes someone can be a loser. But the ultimate the the reality is that. If it fits your team, though, and yeah, maybe the scheme true. that you're drawing up for the playoffs, like I mean, you can lose in a trade to me, but if you secure whatever pieces you need in the playoffs, you can count yourself a victor, and you can take all the slack that you're going to get in the league, but you're going to feel really, really good come you know week one of the playoffs or something like that. So yeah, that's a good point. Like he got Juju Smith-Schuster. I said I don't believe him, but week fourteen he's playing the Cardinals, and week sixteen he's playing the Jets. So yeah, it's good matchups there. Kevin, uh, yeah, I might have been a bit. Kevin's team's decent. He he his potential to win win it all. Wow. Okay. Well, there you I, go. I know. I'm completely flipping. But. No, 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 that's okay. I mean, this league is a, it's a very emotional league, and honestly, there was a there was a trade that freaking happened. You know, almost in the middle of our podcast. So you can't feel bad about this. I mean, we're just reporters <laughs> trying to report on the fly here. It's no big deal. But yeah, when I see Nick Chubbs and Saquon Barkley in the RB spots, I'm a little scared. You're right. Deshaun Watson has a super high ceiling with his running ability and throwing ability. Juju Smith fills in there. I don't like the Allen Robertson plug in the wide receiver section there, but you're right. He's got other pieces that he can use, whether it's, you know, um, I don't think it should be Amendola. It was Brandon Cooks, but Cooks, been he's out for now. So maybe when he comes back and DJ and, and Waller being a good tight end spot. But, yeah, I just wanted to take a look at those lead, those those people who are also high in the record category but yet – don't seem to carry a lot of uh, a lot of fear in their name, you know. So, we're going to take a look at those. Isaac so. has, and then Isaac, he has Devonte Adams, who should be back soon. DJ Shark. He got D, he got D Breeze back. I mean, that's going to be honestly yeah. a help for him. He, I, I see him as an average team in our league. Yeah, Kittle has been outstanding. So having that piece is really really solid. Uh, he has Julian Edelman, who's also been very very solid on by. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, it, the, those pieces there, we've really yet to see how Breda and Coleman work out, really. I mean, I was, Coleman has really, really high upside, and he has great games, but he does split time. And so it's almost like if you remember a, a Tevin Coleman and a Devontae Freeman matchup whenever they were back in Atlanta, Devontae got most of the carries, but it hasn't shaken out with either of them yet. Who's going to get the work management and be the more like 20-point scorer, and who's going to be the more 10-point yeah. scorer? Because both of them can catch it out of the backfield, and both of them can run. So... I don't know. We'll 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 yet to see that. And he's got the same situation with Eckler and Melvin Gordon now. Yeah. So, yeah. I but I mean Eckler, I mean, he's like the he's like the third or fourth running back in the league. But that's also because they had lots of production at the very beginning of the season. Yeah, for sure. So those are those guys. I uh, wanted to take some time to talk about them. But we're gonna we're gonna continue on this segment. I've actually got a a. I want to talk about our matchups after I do this. But what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pop you on a question, all right, okay. and I'm gonna I'm gonna I want our our podcast listeners to to perk up because it's gonna be off the cuff. You don't know what's coming, and I'm gonna <laughs> need your creativity to to make it uh, enjoyable. So as we get into this next little segment, what we're gonna be doing is separating the teams who are five and four, five and four uh, to three and six. So there's a cluster of us. You've got Luke Warford. You've got Eric Johnson. You've got Patrick Perriman. You got Alex Tisver. Two of the teams that you fear are in this little puddle. Yeah. You've got me and you've got Connor. All right. 
So I've got to explain it to the podcast, and I've got to explain it to you thoroughly so you can give us the best answer. I'm going to ask you to describe the makeups of these teams. Um, I'm going to, in in one category, okay? So when I say Luke, you're going to think into this category that I've yet to tell you. You're going to think in this category, and then you're going to title them, and we're going to progress throughout the league. So that's how this is going to happen, but I've got to get the setting right. So I need you to clear your mind and get ready. Okay. Okay. We are in North America, okay? Um, the tendencies of North American Western culture are, are success, money, power. Unfortunately, all these things are not Christian beliefs, but regardless, it's all about fame, fortune, and power, okay? How people gain said fame, fortune, and power is often through their occupation, Okay? Okay. Now, in a classic example, you've got me. I'm a bank teller. I'm a very lowly employee at a very small corporate business, a part of the North American system. Okay? okay. Now, I don't think that that should, uh, you know, I don't think that I'm limited by those. But what I'm going to ask you to do is describe the, the makeup of these teams as I work down through them. I'll give you their record as we go so that you can just kind of process as we go. I'm here for you. Okay. Um, I'm going to help you get there. But I want you to describe to me what the correlation record-wise and production-wise, what the cor- sorry, what the correlating job is to the record and to the genetic makeup of the team. Okay, so for example, if I were to name a, we'll, we'll do a really softball pitch here. Mark would be a garbage man. Okay. Very low on the totem pole, not very respected, not a lot of fame, not a lot of power, not a lot of money that comes with that job. I don't know if I'd even give him that. I say fast okay. food worker. Okay, very good. Perfect. You're already there. Yes. You're getting a workout. Ding, 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 uh, ding, ding. Perfect, Cook. That is the that is the response <laughs> that I needed to know that you are in this game with me right now. So, Mark, he is a fast food worker at McDonald's or Bob Evans, no less. <laughs> he's bored. He hates his job. He's bored. He's constantly <laughs> drinking Cokes. He's getting fatter by the minute. Wow. Honestly, it takes me back to my Fazoli's days. People don't uh, respect him. People <laughs> are like threading through the window, like throwing ice cream in his face. He's working the. Maybe we'll say maybe he works at cookout. Maybe he works at a place where people enjoy, but occasionally yeah, he'll yeah. be disrespected. Okay, um, that's great. Um, <laughs> all right, so we'll go a step up again. We're not into the thick of things here because you don't have okay. to divide them too early. But we've got Shacklet. Shacklet with a with a two and seven record, a lot of chatter, but not a lot of production. What uh, what job do you see Evan Shacklet and his team in in this North American society? I think of him like an upscale Joe from Arrested Development. Like he's a magician. He's working in Las Vegas. He's trying to make some progress. <laughs> He's not a very respected magician, but he's around lots of people. He's getting lots of attention. Oh yeah. He's he's a, he's a street performer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> maybe makes maybe makes it viral once or twice, but ultimately doesn't really pan out. Wow, that's uh that's really good. Okay, so we've got. <laughs> oh man, he's a he's a street magician, Evan. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right, so illusions, Andrew, Michael. Illusions. Yeah, illusions. Illusions. Um, great Arrested Development plug, by the way. Very good there. Thank you. So we move on. We're moving our way up here. 
So I hope that as we progress, now that we've gotten past the bottom tier, we'll progress to what hopefully with our, uh, you know, the best record in this pairing is going to be five and four, leaving Isaac again, the lower of the six, three out of it, but five and four, maybe they've got some respectable jobs in that middle class, but we're not there yet. We're going to start with Luke. We work our way up with a Luke Warford team. He had a hot start at the beginning of the season. So a lot of noise up front, but it's kind of puttered out at a three and six record. Where do you think he's working in this Western culture culture passion for for or this Western culture process towards money, fame, and power? I see him as a suit. He's a young professional in a new city. Interviews great, just kills it. Parents are for money, and oh, wow. he just <laughs> kind of has the skills to make it. But then, in reality, he's not that hard of a worker. And he doesn't oh, put wow. forth what it needs in order to make it. In this yeah, movie. yeah. He, he was just kind of given an opportunity. And who, the, who, the, who this young who this young guy really is. Wow. Wow. Okay, there it is. There it is. Okay. That's interesting. That's interesting. So he was he was he came from a proud family. Was hand he was essentially cherry picked from the family loins, if you will, and, uh, and didn't have much of a work ethic. So for those reasons, he he's, he hasn't panned out. Lots of good looks. Everyone just immediately like, we trust this guy. He's wearing a beautiful suit, nice tie. Oh, but yeah. then they come like, oh, I just don't know about this guy. Like, he doesn't work that hard. I'm yeah. kind of to pick up the slack for him. Man, okay, wow. I love it. I love it. That's, that's great. All right, we'll move into the uh, where are the four and five teams. So for you podcast listeners here, we're trying to describe these people in a Western culture. Uh, I know you've been listening the whole entire time, but I just want to reevaluate as we get in here and we start to dice this up. And I want to give Cook some time for his brain to process. Okay, we're Western culture. We're we're striving towards money, power, and success. You're four and five. Your name is Connor Fulkerson, and you're four and five. You you've had a an illustrious past of success in your life, but but yet you sit four and five in the middle tier. What's uh what job can you put on the Connor Fulkerson team at this point in the season? I'm gonna say he's uh maybe like a middle tier lawyer. Oh wow, okay. But he met a lady. There might have been a bit of scandal there. Ooh, okay. Uh, so there's, there's he, some he drama lost some, with the he name. Lost, he lost some clients, but mm. he still kept a lot of his big. He lost like a lot of his small clients, but he still has maintained trust with some of his big clients, and so he's still making money. And his, there's a potential to climb back up and build his business again. Wow. Okay. There you go. That's good. I love it. Uh, I want you to to do me, uh, you know. I'm Ben. Okay. Uh, I'm also four and five. Uh, I've honestly somehow have found success wherever I'm at in this society. I probably shouldn't be at, but I'm here and I don't know what's going to happen from here on, you know? So you are, I'm going to say your dad from dad's favorites. Dad's, Just okay. Wow. Terrible, terrible location. <laughs> you shouldn't have made it. Laying down the road, middle of nowhere, You're right. no advertising. We don't know how you got here, but people love people just love you. Yeah. And they uh, and your business your business has prospered, but you're still kind of remained in Lexington. You haven't been adventured out, outside of it yet. I love them with your cheeses. I think that's I think that's <laughs> my, my cheeses. That is so great. That is so freaking great. Um I've got a I got a story on uh on dads uh, that I'm going to share in this pod real quick. It, it's kind of odd. It's kind of weird. But dads, if you're familiar, he drives a green BMW. Uh, and it has – he. it's not a, It's not the nicest BMW. It's older school, but it kind of fits him. It's, it's still a BMW. You know what I mean? It's still like a good yeah. car. And it has a sticker on the back of it that had Randall Cobb 18 on it. 
Okay. And whenever I was, uh, whenever it was my freshman summer, I went back home. There's a Christmas there. We had a guy who, it sounds weird. There's a guy who's living with us. We, we, a lot of the, of us, anyways, a guy who's living with us and he's a huge NFL fan and he wanted to get me a Christmas present. So he said, if you could get any Jersey, he did this in a passing conversation and I didn't know how to answer it. So I just answered it with a UK guy. If you could have any NFL Jersey, what would you have? And I said, Randall Cobb. I don't know. It was like, he's a UK guy. Yeah. So I said it, he ended up getting me a $120 NFL authentic Randall Card Cobb Jersey for what? the Green Bay Packers. And he gave it to me and I never wore it. I never wore it. There was never there was never a situation that I would wear it. Like what? Maybe a UK football game. I wear it. I'm, I wear it, but that's it. Here's the time. We're gonna get together, like week fourteen, week fifteen, week sixteen. We're gonna throw all throw on our jerseys. You're gonna pull. You're gonna pull your Randall Cobb jersey. We're gonna eat buffalo chicken dip and have a good time. I love where your head's at, but here's the story. I saw this car, green BMW, Randall Cobb 18. I saw it and I followed it down to Main Street and I realized, oh shoot, like <laughs> I never wear this Randall Cobb jersey. So I need to give whoever is gonna have a freaking sticker of Randall Cobb jersey on their car, I need to give him that jersey. He deserves that jersey. So I went home, I got it right out of my locker. At the time I was convinced that the Lord was leading me to give this jersey to this man. <laughs> I was convinced. So I went and I, I got it. it. I, I got it. right back in the car and I drove right back to where I saw that he parked. He was still there and this is dad himself in the location that was going to be the main street location for dad's favorites they had yet to build it he was literally in the meeting finalizing the paperwork to buy that section to put dad's favorites into main street and lexington and we saw how that panned out they're no longer there anymore but i walked around i was like the person who was driving the car looked like dad so i was looking for a bald bald head and a white mustache and i knocked on the door whenever i saw it, and i gave him the jersey Wow, that's a wild story. He gave me a Man. business card, signed it on the back, said, Have you seen this is good for a free combo. And I, Wait, wait, say, say it again. I missed the last like yeah. five seconds. So he flipped over, he gave me a business card, flipped it over, signed it, and said, this is good for a free combo. And he, and he sent me on my way. And he took the jersey. <laughs> so I got a free combo out of a $120 jersey. Oh my goodness! But he went on to explain to me that it was his son's car. His son's car. His son was a giant Randall Cobb's fan, and like I don't know, he had a green BMW and had it on there. But he had kind of taken it from his son because his son had gotten a new car and he needed a better car. So that's the story. <laughs> so that's Dad's favorite for you. That's where I'm at. I shouldn't be here, but you know, Dad on it. My cheeses are good. You know what I mean? My cheeses are good. Wow. So uh, thank you for that breakdown. Thank you for the dads. And uh, shout-outs to dads' favorites. Get their cheese and eat their sandwiches. They're delicious. Mm, please do. Moving on to the next segment, or sorry, the next portion here. We're still in the 4-5 category, but this is definitely the last bit. This is the top of the 4-5. and five. This is Alex Tisver's team. It's been a very up-and-down season. He's got ups. He's got, sw- he got big swing-up. Low swings down, but when you look at the genetic makeup, you said it yourself, you fear the guy, so you've got to respect this person in whatever job that he's at, right? I'm going to say he's uh, he's an upscale New York. He's a loan shark. He's a guy you absolutely do not want to mess with. <laughs> he's a uh, loan shark. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe a bit shady, but... Uh, maybe some under-the-table deals. Makes some under-the-table deals. Mm-hmm. Maybe has a couple side jobs that he's skilled at. but uh, Marriage isn't he, great, he, 
But he puts if on the front, him, you know. If you cross him, he knows people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. Deals under the table. Doesn't have. I mean, he's got a wife. He's got kids. But does he really spend time with them? He's he's making he's making these deals, and it's like, all right, you know, you cross do this they guy. Know about you the could, job? We don't really know. We don't know. Okay. All right. This is good. All right. But he's making it. He's making it. He's in the middle. He's in the middle. Um, all right. And so we move on to our last little portion here of the five and four teams. We're splitting hairs here, but uh, which is really funny because for Eric to be slashing Patrick Sweezy every single time he has an opportunity to on the podcast, <laughs> on power rankings, you name it, he's throwing out trash. For them to be on the same level, essentially, uh, at five and four and splitting hairs as far as points for and points against, I think it, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on Patrick Sweezy's team. He's five and four. He's been a steady Eddie guy the whole entire league. He's been around. He hasn't made too much bad noise, not too much good news. I'm just kind of in the mix here and I'm a relevant person. I make my voice known enough to where, you know, where I am five and four. I and I put him when I do my power ranks. I put him number one, and that's looking kind of foolish right now. Wow, well, well, you know he puts on a good front, but it's but it's it hasn't panned out, you know. So now as he's sitting five and four, what kind of job has Patrick got? I'm gonna say he's an actuary. It's known for being a very <laughs> very introverted job, kind of boring. All how specific you are with these. Like you nail it down, and you just drive it out. <laughs> and I, okay, you know he crunches some data. Does he really enjoy his job? We don't really know. It's just. He makes good money. It's a decent lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's, his that's fine. His team's kind of boring. There's not much going on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, shade. A little bit of shade thrown towards the. Uh, and the I've, I've never, I've never met him, so. Oh well, that's all right. Uh, well, you're not, you're not, you're basing this off of a fantasy team, so you don't know. Yeah, him, yeah, but. yeah. But he's a great guy. Let me stick up for him. He's a, he's a fantastic guy, inside and out. So, there you go. Um, and our last part. Right here, five and four. Uh, Jimmy G on the outside looking in at a six and three record. Um, tell me what you think about every day I'm wrestling. They've had a star player. They've got a stacked team. They have been up and de- they've been down somehow, but they keep trending up because of all of the pieces on their team. So, what do you think about a five and four worker here? Uh, I'm gonna say a business owner. He owns many businesses okay. uh, spread across multiple states. But he put a lot of capital in, capital into it. Yeah, uh, the investment's starting to pay off. But he he lives a good life. He has lots of he does lots of fun things outside of work. Wow. There you go. He travels a lot, goes on lots of vacations, and he he's making it. Okay, I love it. Um, for a seven and two guy like yourself, what's your job? You you, you and I will say you've revolution. You came in, you've revolutionized. You stuck to your guns, and you haven't been wrong. You're you're a breath of fresh air to a what was stale, maybe stale environment. You've brought in a twist, and you've you've solidified yourself as a as a top team in this season. So what's a what's a job look like for that kind of person? Uh, CEO of a tech company, something that's yeah, yeah. revolutionary, doing something new, something people didn't expect. You got some Bitcoin for sure. Long, long term, we don't know how it's going to do, but right now it's just killing it. Wow, that's uh, that's perfect. That's great. All right, well, thank you for entertaining my little game. I just wanted to try to include <laughs> as many people as I possibly could, so that when you listen to this pod, it's not just dry and empty for you. So there's that little segment. Uh, I'm going to call it. Uh, Where do you work at? Uh, titled by by Alex Cook. Thank you for that little <laughs> tidbit there. And as we we are rounding out our our session here, I wanted to spend some time just to thrash Evan for just a moment. So uh, yeah, if we could just talk about 
his management. You said that you've got big data on this. I don't need you to dive too much into it, but I just wanted to highlight his poor management last week. Was supposed to start Kyler Murray. Did not. Of course, Kyler Murray does go off just due to poor management all in all. And then also it was between Falls or is between – or wait, maybe – what was it? It was uh, it was between – I got it. I got it. It was Eric Ebron. E- yeah, Ebron. Or it was um, Fawn. Like, what was that guy's name? It was the tight end for the Broncos. Oh, it was Noah Fant. Noah Fant. Yeah, Fant. And so he said, I'm flipping a coin. I'm going to go with Fant. And not with Eric Ebron. Fant goes off. Eric Ebron does not. It's just poor management through and through. Evan Shacklett, it's almost impressive how he continues to make the, the, the wrong mistake or the right make yes. mistakes. But yes. he needs to watch Seinfeld. He needs to learn a lesson from George. <laughs> he needs to take a week where he just opposite day. Every instinct he has, he needs to do the opposite of. Yeah, that's he, great. That might just be what he should go to next year because. His trades have worked out poorly. Yes. His draft was abysmal. Yes. Even though he had a decent spot. I think he's like fifth spot. I mean, just left and right, poor decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Just want to drive home the reality that Evan Shackley is losing a lot of respect managerially in the fantasy football league this season. I mean, so. wait, let's, I, I want to look at his first four picks. Okay. He had David Johnson, Mike Evans, Josh Jacobs, Cooper Cup. Uh, what? Like, what did you just say? <laughs> what did you just like? I just heard all that and I was like, wait, what? Yes, David Johnson, Mike Evans, Josh Jacobs, Cooper Cup. He had two top five wide receivers. They're now gone off his team. Josh Jacobs, David Johnson, all top ten. I think they're all gone. And his picks after that were just awful. Miles Sanders, Robbie Anderson, Kalen Balaj, Cam Newton. Come on, man! Oh my goodness, you are absolutely correct. What in the world? So you're t- so what we may be able to pull away from this was he draft? I mean, like he was a fantastic drafter. First four picks, last uh, eight or last ten were just garbage, but the first four he nailed it. Wow, that is absolutely insane. That's amazing. Wow, so very interesting. Um, Wow, that's great. I love that little detail. I love seeing how Evan shows that he's respectable in some nature for draft value. But my goodness, if I mean, it just goes back to managerial. I mean, managing. Okay, you can be a great drafter. That's fine. But if you're a poor manager, you're gonna lose every single time. All right. If it if it comes down to good management or good drafting, you need to take good management overall. Because my goodness, this is a great example of poor management ruining what was a great draft. And he's it's just a double whammy of a. Well, yeah, somewhat great. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, David Johnson, okay, had early. I mean, regard. I'm not going to justify anything, but having Josh Jacobs, Mike Evans, and Cooper Cup on your team, like that's you're <laughs> that's fine. And then you tell me that in your flex you're playing David Johnson. Listen, that's great. Okay, fine with that. So if he if he does that, and then if he kept Matt Stafford, he'd be a playoff team right now. Yeah. Wow. Very, Matt Stafford's averaging like thirty something a week, so yeah, that's great. That's great stuff. Um, so I'm not going to. Uh, I was going to spend some time going into our matchups. I, I mean, you can just tell me how you feel about your matchup. I mean, just tell me how you feel. We don't have to go into details. We're we're at an hour and fifteen plus right now. So yeah. tell me what uh, what you're seeing in your matchup, and are you are you is there anything that we should know going in that we any predictions you want to make? 
Yeah, so I'm going up against Mark, and I like the history of Mark uh, allowing lots of uh, teams to score lots of points. I think I got that going for me. Yeah, absolutely. I have Marlon, Marlon Mack against Miami, Lamar Jackson against Cincinnati, but he has Mark Ingram against Cincinnati. I feel like Lamar might dominate them and just hand off the ball and just make it a simple game and just kind of get it over with, and that could really rack up Mark Ingram's points. David Montgomery's been doing well lately. Jameis Winston has an easy matchup, but I don't really believe in him as a quarterback. Okay. Uh, his wide receivers don't impress me. I, I'm hoping for an easy win, but Mark, he puts up a lot more points than probably people realize. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he's, he's sneaky, sneaky points for for Mark. And and he's, he's trending up even though his record doesn't show it. Right, absolutely. And I think it was actually good to bring to light the reality that if people were playing in his record, what it might look like. Uh, I don't do that for my team, but I I can't I couldn't be more I couldn't have more wins than I have right now. I would be the same spot if not a lot less. So yeah, I think the best record was Connor said he would be five and four. He was yeah. the only one who had improved. So that I mean yeah yeah I, I feel for the guy. I've been there. It's a it's a hard first season for our boy Mark. It's a hard first season. Um, transition. But you got you got a matchup going. You and Connor that's huge. I mean who that sides. Yeah. I mean, that can knock one of you out of playoff contention. That's really what we're at right now. Uh, I told you before this. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna call it the matchup of the week. Obviously, I'm biased. There's a big matchup between Scruff and Eric Johnson also. But, I mean, regard, like I told you, I mean, both of those guys, regardless, I mean, they lose. There's still a win to two wins out. Me and Connor being three wins out of what could potentially be a sixth, fifth spot in the playoffs. It's very important that we start that trend now mm-hmm. and not later. So four and five, the difference between five and five and four and six is devastating. So we've got a matchup. I, I, I hope to make some trades before the trade deadline. I don't like the matchup because I'm. I mean, Alvin Kamara is probably going to play. It's going to wipe out Latavius Murray for me. Christian McCaffrey yeah, I'm, I'm, probably going to play. Entire line. Atlanta's defense is te- Atlanta's defense is terrible. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's uh, it's not exciting, but you know, I I, I stick true to what uh, what I've said earlier. I mean, things are gonna bend my way when they do, and they're gonna bend away from me when they do. So I I, I gotta just gotta take it how I got it. I got Kirk Cousins with a deal. Hopefully, he can go off for a couple points. I know Josh Jacobs has a high ceiling to go off against the Chargers, and maybe Tevin Coleman will have a resembling game of what he had two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I've got Diggs with that high ceiling against Dallas, potentially if Thielen's not playing. Hopefully Thielen is playing so he gets less attention. But I don't know. I, I'm just kind of throwing my hands up in the air here, putting my best foot forward, and hopefully making some trades before the end of this this week. I, I still believe in Golden Tate. He's going up against the Jets. I imagine this is the game where they're going to want to develop Danny Dimes. They're going to want to get him touches, get him throwing the ball out there. Danny Dimes. And his, his, Evan Ingram's out, which could focus some attention on Golden Tate. Yeah, but. we'll see if Shepard returns. But, yeah, usually whenever Shepard's or somebody is missing, he does get those looks. He, I gosh. think Daniel needs to learn how to use Golden Tate because I think multiple years he's led the league in yards after the catch. Wow. And so you just got to give him the short dumps and let him work. Yeah, and it was actually interesting in the previous defense. I was hoping that Golden Tate would get a lot of those catches right there in the like lower zone portion and picking up like five, six yards here and there. He just kept – just darting out like he was just like from the line and then there goes Golden Tate and I was like what just sit down underneath I know that they need a deep ball or something like that but Golden Tate's not the deep ball guy like you go send somebody else out there you let yeah I don't know I don't know if that was I I imagine it was play calling I don't know if they know how to use utilize Golden Tate yet Uh, just 
it's whatever. It was uh, it was one point three points that separates me from being five and five and four and five. So it's it's heartbreaking, but hopefully we'll have a little bit of hope in him moving forward. So that's, that's I think right. you have going. Something I think you have going for you. Tyler Lockett's going against San Francisco 49ers, which I already said is the best pass defense. Sure. He, he can get shut down. And then <coughs> Calvin Ridley's going against the Saints, who have a good defense. But what I'm worried about there is, I believe, is their best quarterback Mar- or best cornerback Marshawn Lattimore? Uh, maybe. And I, don't know. I think their cornerback completely shut down Amari Cooper. He's going to be on uh, Julio Jones. That might leave Calvin Ridley open to get some yeah. touches. It's a good point. It's good insight here uh, on the pod, man. I, it's very interesting stuff. Uh, I like we talked about. Connor has a very volatile team, so maybe he can drop a, a goose egg for me on a couple of categories, yeah. and I can get away with a win. I'm hanging on by the by the the, the hair of my chinny chin chin, so I'll do what I can, and uh, hopefully I can get a W. So those are our matchups, though, and we've crossed off uh, almost everything on our. Our list here. I did want to, as we again, we're coming to a close. Almost an hour and a half here. It's been a very good pod. So, mm-hmm. Cook, thank you so much I've for your time. Thanks for being a part of this. This has been fantastic. We we were talking about the draft board, and I wanted to go back to it just to discuss some things that maybe you didn't have time to discuss earlier. I don't want to go into crazy detail, but I love looking at the draft board. So, if you have any findings for me, you already have some with Evan Shacklett with this crazy first four picks of Cooper Cup, Josh Jacobs, Mike Evans, and David Johnson this year. Are you seeing any other trends, or have you found anything else that's been very, very interesting from that draft board? Uh, I mean, in, like, like quarterback injuries have really hurt it, and then multiple injuries. Uh, I mean, if you look at three of the top five running backs that were drafted were all, have all been injured this season, have been out multiple games, and so mm-hmm. that just really skews things, but... I think sometimes you've got to go with your gut, and I think a lot of times people just rely too much on ESPN or rankings, and they they have an idea of what they're talking about. But, I mean, let's look at the fourth round. I mean, look at those guys who came off. Mark Ingram, Galladay, Lindsey, Derrick Henry, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Amari Cooper. If you believe in a guy, just go for him. Because, I mean, there's just because ESPN says they should go 22nd doesn't mean they're the best. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Um yeah, and I think that's what we talked about in the last time is after that fourth round, really there's really not a whole lot of people that have taken off except for Austin Eckler. Like when you look down at that fifth round, everybody yeah. kind of plays their role. I mean, Tyler Lockett was great. Tyler Lockett, Connor. Yeah. So Tyler Lockett. But as you trend further, there, there's just no deep finds. Like you find them in the top four or the top five, and then after that, I mean, it really is like, I mean. Yeah. I feel like after the fourth round, there's been like one or two picks around that are like running backs, wide receivers that are just incredible. And so that begs the question, is that time to start looking at quarterbacks? It really does. I I, I think if I'm going to learn a lesson from big data today, if I'm going to learn a lesson (laughs) from our quarterbacks, it's that maybe in that fifth or sixth round, it's time to go snag yourself like Tiz did in the sixth round. You're grabbing an Aaron Rodgers. Maybe in a, unfortunately in a, Sixth round, you're great grabbing a, a Baker Mayfield for Mark. You know what was the beginning but of the end of his season. But this year could be an outlier, and a lot of guys could have another year under the belt next year, and you could have twelve really good players. But I think I think five, probably six to ten is probably your sweet range when you want to pick someone. Maybe maybe six to eight, just narrow it down. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. That uh, that will conclude and wrap up our time here on the podcast, Pump Fake Pod. 
Uh, I have a quick antidote. Oh, this is great. I, I wanted to give it to you anyway. So let me just give this. You have earned yourself a good amount of FaceTime here, my friend. Please tell us. So I had, I had I'll say one for another day, but uh, so I was telling my, my dad, he started playing in the 80s. He started playing in 19, his first time was playing in 1986 and used to ha- handwrite everything and you look up the newspaper the next day, like who, who won to Un- catch stats. Unbelievable. But he was the first pick in the draft in 1986. And so what he did was he looked up the previous year who had the most points. Pretty reasonable, right? Right. But he didn't look up who had the most fancy points. He looked up who scored the most points, period. And so for the first pick in the draft, he selected the Patriots kicker. Oh, my goodness. Are you serious? <laughs> and so, of course, everyone immediately laughed at him. Did he win he that said, league? Like that, that's when you tell me that he was the championship of that season. Like, no. <laughs> uh, not so much. Not so Next much. Next year he got Jim Kelly, though, so he was good. But Yeah, that's funny. That's good. I mean, that's kind of like how uh, I think it's like Austin McGinnis uh, has a U.K. record for points scored. I think seconds like Lona Sieber. Jeez. Well, that speaks to our football program just a little bit. So it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. I've got high hopes, though. That's right. Keep them high. Uh, you're 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 a true and true UK bleed blue guy. So we respect you down there in uh, in Pikeville. Oh, um, well, yeah. I guess you did have a little segment there that you wanted to tell us. This will I'll, actually I'll save it for another. I'll okay. save it for another time. Save it for another day. I think it's really really funny. But uh, Pikeville, hopefully it's treating you well. We know that. Uh, that it's not uh, it's not the best times out there in Pikeville, but we're rooting for for you, yeah. and we uh, we hope that the whatever you do got going out there is is good and wholesome, and that you're that you're staying alive. I appreciate it. Yeah, uh, I'll be so my third and fourth years of med school will be rotating at a some clinic, and that could be uh, closer to Lexington. I'm yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Well. Cook, we, we've loved having you in the league. I've loved having you on the pod. I'm going to kind of close this down here, but uh, but love you. Thanks for your time again, and, um, yeah, good luck this week, man. Good luck. Oh, real quick. Uh, yeah. I want to drop some breaking news. Oh, gosh, here it is. Uh, kind of like uh, how Mark Tice always wants a scoop. I'm going to give you the scoop. Okay, give me a scoop. I am not going to accept your trade. Okay. Late, uh, breaking trade right here. We pull up the outstanding trade for those of you guys who have stuck around this long. Uh, there was talks of digs and for Beckham uh, straight up just with the down season. It has been declined. It is official. It is through and through. So Cook has declined that trade. Uh, I rebuttal and I say, sir, would you like any – would you like Carryon Johnson with digs for Odell Beckham potentially? As I think that Carryon Johnson might be of value in the 14, 15, 16 weeks as he gets back at Detroit. I uh... – I don't know who I would. I just don't know who I'm going to drop for my team. Okay, good. 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 Well, he is injured. He is in the IR. Do you already have somebody in the yeah. IR? No, okay. I don't. It's oh. a good. It's a good offer, though. Okay. Well. Oh, uh, I could put him in the IR. Huh. I'm just saying. Now this is this is on the spot trade making. Uh, so I, you know, a lot of pressure going on here. So I just want to, I want to leave it in your court. I'm going to okay. leave that alone. Again, I need wins now, and I need to get past bye weeks with digs and stuff. So I'm trying to get a wide receiver. Me and you both know he's got great matchups. I'm hoping to secure him, maybe give you a little bit of a – maybe give you a little bit of boost there in the playoffs with carry on down the road. But we don't need to make that decision now. I'm going to shut down the pod. Me and you will continue to text after this, and uh, and we can we can find a conclusion whether it's today or tomorrow. So Thanks for having me on, Ben. Alex, we awesome. love you. See you, man. Bye.